This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and I am tired of this. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to tell you that this is the Crowncast. You're listening to another episode of the Crowncast with another game for Charlotte FC with another draw. And 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 we've I, I don't know what to say anymore. We told you the story. Uh, if you showed up today and watched a Charlotte FC game, if you watched them go up two goals to nil on a very good Philadelphia team, you could be forgiven for thinking that maybe this time Charlotte FC would change their ways, but they did not change their ways, and so we're not going to change ours, and I'm going to introduce my co-host. It's Jerson. Hello, Jerson. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, everybody. If you came to this game thinking that we were going to um, win, you're wrong. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad to be back. It feels like we're in a repetitive loophole here, guys. Logan, let's... let's, let's <laughs> you just dive right into it at let's, this point, get, right? Yeah, we have I, to. I, I'm I'm worried about the fact that we're, we are actually getting repetitive. So I'm going to try and change things up a little bit today. I'm going to do this off the top of my head. We're just going to have to roll with it. And I'm going to switch the format. Okay. Instead of us doing our final thoughts at the end where they would make sense, uh, let's try them in the beginning. Because maybe if we flip it up, Charlotte FC will flip it up. And it, I don't know. I'll try anything at this point. So I'm going to go with my final thoughts on this game. And then we'll go into crowns and cards. Sound good? Let's do it. My final thoughts are going to be Charlotte FC finds a way. Like, like, like the infamous life finds a way. Charlotte FC finds a way. It's true natural balance is a draw. And it, it finds a way. Jerson, what are, your, what are your, your summation thoughts on this game? If you think that this team is going to get your hopes up, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, and no. I mean, obviously... Yeah, just- at this point in time, we have we're what forty minutes off of game ending for a two-two draw against Philadelphia, and I have to admit there was a point where we both looked at each other and we were both just like, "I'm tired of this." Yeah. At at some point in time, you're just tired. I think that the most annoying thing about it all is that there comes to a point after the second half where we're looking at each other and we're just like. They could do it again. Like they, could, yeah. they, they there's, there's a huge possibility that this could happen. First goal goes in, and then we're looking at each other like, "What did you expect?" Yep. Nope. We, yep. we knew it the moment that first goal for Philadelphia went in. We were. I, I mean, I think you saw me just go, "Well, that's a draw," and uh, and it is what it is. I, I think that is the the metaphorical. Metaphorical is not the right word. Philosophical statement of truth. Let's uh let's move on. I'm going to go into crowns and cards and as ever. I'm going to ask you, should we start with the crowns or should we start with the cards? Uh let's start with the crowns that way we can address the elephants in the room at the end that are the most important things to tackle. I think I think that is totally fair. I am going to take uh dealer's choice on the crowns and I'm going to do something that I don't normally do and I'm going to crown Carol Schroderski. Uh, regular listeners of this podcast will know that normally somebody else crowns Carol. Not uh, th- Normally I don't get the chance to do it. Carol was outstanding in this game. And we went down before the game started and we saw him warming up. And I think he was aiming in his sort of practice shooting to hit the post on purpose. I think he was using the post as like a target because he hit it four or five times in a row, which uh, in and of itself from where they take practice shots is amazing. He 
he seemed on today. And after a kind of non-existent performance in the last one, he turned around and really made a difference. He was being the connector. He was running through lines. He was creating threat. The goal that Justin Miram scores, Enzo Capetti is involved, but I almost want to say that Carol Schwederski used Enzo Capetti like he would use a wall. Like he almost just used Enzo Capetti as a function of his movement to get the ball in there. And yes, that one takes a couple of wild bounces out to get to Merrim. So it's Carol Schwederski's effort that makes this function. It's him that drives the line through. It's him that pushes the ball up. It's him that creates this, this opportunity for the ball to bounce loose. And that doesn't even talk about the fact that he has one of the best ghosting runs just in front of a keeper who thought he had that ball set up and, and ready for him. He does a great job today. He shows that, that fight and that hunger that we know is inside of him, but then he also adds that element of, of the, the last piece, the final part of the puzzle that we've asked whether or not he can do. So Carol, absolutely outstanding job today, and I think that's a crown. Absolutely. I would say that one of my biggest critiques about Carol is that sometimes he just does like a little bit too much, right? A little bit extra showboating, a little bit extra backheel passes that lead to nothing, or a little bit of extra dribbling. But today, we needed somebody in that attacking to be a difference maker, and he did. And it's not just with the goal that he scored, it's the amazing play that he did in order with Capetti in order for Merrim to score some extra passes that he had led um, that unfortunately didn't end up in a goal, but he was a facilitator for this team. And he's definitely well-deserving of a crown today. Obviously he scored the goal, um, but it's just, it's much more than the goal is the extra additional stuff that he adds to this team, to that attack. And I don't think we could have done it today i mean we we went away went away with one point but that couldn't have happened without him being on our field yeah i don't think anybody else gets it done not in the way that it needed to be done today let's go on to your crown yes uh well obviously you took the i took the easy one the easy one yeah, um i'm absolutely. gonna go ahead and give my crown to brent bronico i don't think he had an amazing game obviously you know how i feel about brent he's not the best with the ball on his foot. He's not a ma magician of a player, but what he gives to this team is heart. And what we saw today is him running and running and running. Very repetitive, just how this team is, but he never gives up. And that that is exactly what led to um, Sudarski's goal. You know, he could have given up. He could have gone for the corner kick or anything. No, he kept going and did a great pass for Sudarski to sneak in make that goal. So I, I think that out of everybody that I saw today, because truthfully, Logan, there's not a lot of people to highlight today. <laughs> um, but he definitely was one of the players that I was like, okay, he's doing a great job. One of those players that you don't pay attention to, but he always like sneaks in and does the dirty work. And I think that that's something that I value a lot about him, especially on today's game. Yeah. It's one of those days where we got a lot of six, 6.5 out of 10s. Mm -hmm. We had people do like one or two things really well, but they also had one or two giant mistakes. Or we had people who just sort of functionally did their job. And you know, as compared to last week where we were spoiled for choice of people to talk about, 
This time, I do think there are going to be a couple that are somewhat soft. I think it's right, especially after the the last one where we highlighted Brant's technical difficulties, to come in and highlight Brant's effort and come in and highlight his his off-the-ball actions that make all of this possible. Because you're right, he's the guy who doesn't give up. On this team, maybe in the MLS, he's the guy who never stops running. He's the guy who no ball is out of play until it's out of play, truly. And it's it's a special skill, and I just, I love seeing it. And I love watching him play, and at the same time, I get so frustrated. Uh, but it was a very good showing out from him. I think that was important because we've talked about how he needs a big, a big series of games uh, going into the final run-in. Let's talk... Let's talk the downside. Let's talk cards. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to break one of my rules here just for a moment. And I'm going to give out a bonus card to the referee. And I made the mistake about, I want to say 50 minutes in of going, oh, you know, I don't love the way he's refing the game, but it's been fair. It's been equal on both sides. It's pretty good referee performance. And immediately on like 70 minutes, he had that spell of, like 10, 15 minutes where he just went crazy and just everything was a card. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if I jinxed it. Maybe that's a card for me. I don't know. Uh, but I try not to talk about the referees, but I've just seen in the MLS as a whole too many times where there are 10 or 15 minute spans of just chaos from the referees, just the referees trying to, to be the highlight. And that's not what they're there for. So... Uh, I, I was very, very sad to see that. You go ahead and take an actual card for me. All right. I'm going to say it. I'm hopefully not going to butcher it, but most likely I'm going to butcher it. So please um, stay with me, guys. If, you, if you'd like, you can use our, our uh, chat, chat name. <laughs> no, I'm going to attempt it. Would you like me to fill it in hold for on, you? Hold on, hold <laughs> on. This is I'm doing this for the people. All right, you get you get four seconds to try. Diagra. Hey, that's pretty good. Close enough. Um, yeah. I mean, heck, for all I know, it's better than the way I say it. <laughs> well, guys, um, let's be serious about about this individual. It's it's kind of sad to see, and I'm not just going to talk about the clear clear reason why he got the card, but I'm also going to talk about the fact that. For weeks, we've been talking about how this guy has has been a different, different, like a, a game changer whenever he's on the field. Today, I didn't see that from him. As soon as I, as he went in and they took out um, Merrim, which Merrim didn't do amazing, but I could at least see Merrim in the field doing something. But whenever he went in, I promise you that I saw, I'm, I'm missing that spark, that magic that he brings to the team whenever he starts. And for the fifteen minutes that in plus that he's in the field, I I didn't see him. And the moment that he made himself visible was in the worst way. And it was so predictable. Yeah. It was so predictable. They flicked the ball right behind him. He tries to go chase it, and he didn't even need to complete his foul for me to just read what's about to happen and me turn around and just accept it. And it happened, and I hear, I hear a loud bang from your end, um, and silence in the room. And oh, man, it it kills me. I do think he deserves. I mean, he absolutely deserves a card. I mean, no questions asked. I think what we saw today, 
and this is going to be something I'm going to be watching for on a rewatch, is I think we saw the difference of Brecht in the attacking field position versus Brecht in the defending field position because we were not playing in their pitch today. We were playing a lot of it in ours. And we kind of, I don't want to say we reverted. I think Philadelphia did a very good job of pressing us back into what was our old structure before we had this attacking flow and verve that we've picked up over the last couple matches. And I think we saw a, a player who really, really fits when we're the ones being on the ball, when we're the ones being dominant, when we're the ones imposing our game. And maybe <laughs> when we are not capable of doing that, he doesn't fit. I mean, like it can really actually be that simple because you're right. He was a non-factor until he was a factor for all the wrong reasons. And we have a history on this podcast of giving a card to somebody who has one absolutely harebrained moment. And the truth of the matter is, I gave, um, oh gosh, help me out, uh, Nathan Byrne. I gave Nathan Byrne the axe the other week over, I mean, I was harsh on Nathan Byrne because he is an established player. He's a 32-year-old. He is supposed to have been brought in to be a leader in the team. It was late in the game, and he just lost his head in a moment of panic. And guess what Breck Diagra is? He's a 32-year-old? I'm going to have to check that one to make sure it's, it's right, but he's not a young man. He's supposed to be a leader in the team. He's supposed to be an established player who keeps his head. It's late in the game, and he panics, and he, he gives away an absolutely clear penalty. Yep. And... I, I cannot reasonably look at Nathan Byrne, though I think Nathan Byrne has other questions about his performances, and say, if you have this one moment of absolute madness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ax you for it and not look at Diagra and say the same thing. And so I will. That was stupid. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't something that I now genuinely believe Charlotte FC has like written into their bylaws that they have to tie all these games... It, it's really, really frustrating from a player who, for the first couple of matches he came in, really looked transformative. I am going to, I'm going to jump on the the train of people whose names are hard for me to say, and I'm going to go with uh, Uronin as my card. I apologize. I know I'm massacring that. I cannot, for some reason, make my mouth make those syllables in one. Set. I, I don't know why I can't. Uh, Uronin is a player who has come in on our left side, which we've traditionally struggled with. And he has other factors. Specifically, he's sitting next to Andrew Privet. And both of them have kind of picked up these roles of heading up the field and doing distribution stuff and having to really master their positioning. It's a challenging thing that we put on them both. But at the same time, I hadn't really felt like he'd made a lot of critical mistakes. I felt like he'd made one or two problems, but I hadn't felt like it was lots of mistakes. And in this game, I just got the sense that he was never where he was supposed to be. He likes to dive into his challenges. He likes to step. He likes to stick in a boot. Um, you said it quite brilliantly earlier. What did you call it? Stabbing. Stabbing. I know, yes. I know I'd heard that before. He likes to stab into his challenges and... I think he's been told he has the freedom to go do it, but he's stabbing when he's has lot. He's not like set in a defensive position, a little advanced in the field and throwing a boot in where he can recover. He's flying up the field from a deep 
defensive position up into midfield and then sliding through a stab and he just gets left completely out of the game of course it's happened it happened a lot of times on this and something that we noticed as we got pinned further back into our box he's not particularly strong on crosses he's kind of a non-factor in in the penalty area uh i felt like it was a really rough game from him and it was sad because i haven't necessarily had a lot great to say about him but up until this point i felt like he was functioning quite well Thoughts on Unanen? Um It's it's very unfortunate because obviously when we really look at it from the bigger perspective, you and me spoke about it, and you know it's one of those like you know he fit, he does the job, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but today, as we were watching the game together, you know, I pointed out a, a lot of a lot of stabbing that he did, but his issue is that he does it in the times that are the worst and he leaves himself very vulnerable. And the reason why that is a big issue is because his vulnerability allows for the rest of the team to be vulnerable. And that is how the first goal happened. And I personally feel like him and Privet being on the same side is a little bit of a liability for us as a whole defensive backfield. Um, and that's what happened. He stabbed um, he got left vulnerable, so then Privet had to try to fill it in the space. And then Urinen came back, tried to fill in space, but what happened? There was a player left empty, had all the time in the world to score a goal, and guess what? He did. Why? Because of one small decision that happened from a player who came from Europe. Logan, you know, we're talking about somebody who's experienced, but here we are talking about the mistakes. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that... In the past, I've referenced Ashley Westwood, and my reverence is too strong a word, how impressed I am with Ashley Westwood because of the fact that he comes in with that experience, and he comes in wearing the captain's armband, and he never drops anything lower than like a 7 out of 10, and he almost never drops a critical failure, right? He almost never loses the ball in the truly dangerous position. He'll lose the ball every now and then trying something creative, but it's never in... You know, that one spot in the field, you can't lose the ball. He's never exactly out of position enough that he can't recover. Uh, there's something about the way this team plays when we get pushed back into our box that uh, I have uh, I have concerns with. And maybe the fact that we were able to push teams back in the last couple of games is actually the right way to play for Charlotte FC right now. But we're not going to be able to pin every team in their in their box. We're just not going to be able to do it. There are teams in this league, Cincinnati, who I think we're playing shortly, uh, Philadelphia, the, the top teams in this league are going to be able to push you back, and you have to be able to execute a 4-4-2 low block or, or a 4-5-1 low block or a 5-4-1 low block or a 5-3-2 low block. Pick a low block. <laughs> I don't care. You have to be able to execute it. It doesn't have to be your plan A, but you have to be able to execute it uh, really quick because there's something I just have to get out here. I want to give one more uh, like weird bonus card. Do you have an extra bonus card for something? Sure. Just for fun? Absolutely. Um, this team can't pass in front of the player. I do, I do not understand it. There were so many times, and I think of Justin Miram as one of the people who has the best touch in the game. His first touch is incredible. It's special. If he could now learn how to pass the ball in front of the player who's running, 
he would be unstoppable. Like, I, I don't under, and it wasn't just Justin, I'm picking on him, but really there are two people in this team who pass the ball in front of the person they're passing it to. It is Ben Bender and it's Ashley Westwood. Uh, and you know who else does it? Uh, I'll give it three. Andrew Privet. Uh, I, I don't think he's always all that accurate with his passes, but they when he makes them, they tend to be towards the space where people are running into. And there's a lot of talent in this team. There's a lot of technical ability. I, I do not understand why we hold the ball until the space in front of the person we're passing to is gone. Or why when we pass the ball, it's always behind us and slows the play down, especially in counterattacks. It is frustrating me immensely. Uh, so uh, uh, just sort of a, a wide scoping card to the fact that for some reason we cannot pass in front of in front of our players. Uh, do you have a, a quick bonus one for me? Of course. Um, I will say that my quick bonus card is going to go to the man, the myth, the legend, our attacking god, um, Derek Jones, you know. Um, Wait, bonus card or bonus no, crown? Card. A card to Derek Jones. Yes. Just just because of the... <laughs> All right. For, just to add some context to everybody listening. I, I started this joke um, a couple of weeks back about how Jones started just coming more up in the attack and then he just likes to take shots. So every single time that he gets subbed in, I'm just like, he is scoring, guys. He's here to, to make the goals. Yes, the machine is here. He's going to score it. And we had this amazing, beautiful play. And I <laughs> I don't know why I got my hopes up. I, It's like whenever he has a chance to prove me right, he does. Um, and today, unfortunately, was one of those moments. Um, but I will give him an A for trying. You know, he. If we could combine Derek Jones and Ben Benders, or not Derek Jones and Brant Bronico's ability to get into shooting positions mm-hmm. with literally anyone else's finishing. Yep. Like, give me Christian Colleen. Give me George Marks's finishing. <laughs> Man, that's an elite. That's an elite finishing right that's there. A, that's a killer. Uh, okay, we are going to go ahead and wrap it up because we've kind of thrown this one completely off the rails. But you know what? Charlotte FC is off the rails. So why not? Uh, I'd like to go ahead and say thank you, Jerson. But of course, hopefully we do not have the same introduction next week. Yeah, hopefully we get to do something different. And uh, on that somewhat depressing note, uh, if you've decided to spend your time with us, thank you so much. We love you. As always, uh, if you want to find us online, you can find us on Instagram at the underscore crown underscore cast on Twitter at the underscore crown cast. And that's it, baby. We will talk to you again when we break all of this down on Wednesday and also bonus breakdown tomorrow on Thursday for last week's stuff. All of the content. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.